Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Okay, let me get my headphone organized here. And we'll go in prayer. Let's pray. Lord, Heavenly Father, praise your holy name. Thank you, Lord, that you are shining brightly in this dark and wicked world. Thank you that your presence is at all times, in all places, that the wickedness and darkness cannot hide from your presence. You see all things. You do know all things in your glory, in your fullness, because you are at all times in all places. Thank you, Lord, for this message that we're about to receive. We pray that we will understand more and more as the days draw near and as the night draws near, that we will have better understanding, better comprehension. Please help us to remember and to retain the words that you give us, the instructions, the edifications, the encouragement, the strength, the courage, and the power that comes from on high from you, from your goodness, from your presence, from your power. We praise your holy name. We lift up our hands to you in worship and admiration. We love you, Heavenly Father. We are your people. We are your church. Have your way today. Please speak through me. Use me and use your people. Use the church in one mind, in one accord, in one spirit, in unity, in faith in one doctrine, in the Lord Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. And the congregation said, Amen. Praise the Lord. You may be seated. <clears throat> Let's turn to the book of Hosea. Woo! Yeah, we don't get to read in Hosea very often. That's near the end of the uh, book of prophets. Hosea chapter 8. Page 169. Thank you, Brother Gerald. 169. Page 169 in the Book of Prophets. Hosea chapter 8. Praise the Lord. Good to see everyone.
give everybody time to get there. Page 169, Hosea 8, starting in verse 1. We're going to have to remember to bring um, clothespins to help keep pages shut and closed and notes attached to, if you want to make a note, to bring clothespins for all three of us because it helps. You can take them to attach your paper to your Bible so you can take notes and hold pages of the Bible down. We used to do that all the time, but we're out of practice and meeting outside, but we're getting back into the habit now, and praise the Lord. sounding of my shofar, blowing the alarm, blowing the trumpet. Hosea 8, verse 1, read with me here. Read Hosea 8, verse 1. Lay this in between other pages or underneath your songbook right here. Don't need to follow that. He shall come into the midst of the land as an eagle against the house, against the house of Jesus, because they have transgressed my covenant and have sinned against my law. They shall soon cry out to me, saying, O Theos, we know you. Isn't that what Everybody says, many people, we know you, we're saved. Why are you punishing me? Me? What have I done to deserve this? Is basically what people are going to say. Many Americans, Australians, and many people across the world. What have we done? We know you. We are your land. We are your people. We are your nation. We are your people. And yet, how can they say that we are your people or we know you when they have not kept the covenant, when they have broken his laws. Amen. That's what Jesus said. Amen. And that's what John said, that how can a person say that they know Christ if they have broken his laws, his commandments, and keep not his commandments. Amen. The people going to be like, we know you. Why have you done this? Verse 3, for Jezreel has turned away from good things, and they have pursued an enemy. In other words, they've turned away from righteous things. They've turned away from righteousness. They've turned away from the commandments, from the law of God, from correct doctrine. They have turned away from God's chosen servants and God's true church. They've turned away from the truth. They've turned away from many good things. And they have chosen... The enemy. They have pursued the enemy, not in a way of trying to defeat the enemy, but rather trying to gain the enemy as a friend. 
That's what Biden has done with the Taliban. Instead of killing them like he should, he has pursued them as an ally. Instead of destroying Iran like he should, he has pursued Iran as an ally. This is what this means, especially in the context. Verse 4, you have made kings for yourselves, but not by me. They have ruled, but they did not make it known to me. Think about that. Think about that. Because everybody always wants to point to the verses that talk about that God establishes the kingdoms and he tears down the kingdoms and that all governments and everybody that's in administration is appointed or allowed by him. And yet this verse gives us something else. That there are occasions, shocking, shocking, but true, there are occasions when people go against God's will. Oh my God! That really happens? Wow! (laughs) Amen? There are occasions when not every little thing on this earth is according to God's will. Huh. Is everything you've ever done in your life according to God's will? What about everything that's happened in the life of your mom or your dad or your brother or your sister or your neighbor? Or what about even your president? Is every little thing he does according to God's will? No. People many times operate outside the will of God. Is that not true? Amen. Did everything Nebuchadnezzar did was according to God's will? No. Of course not. There are times that the people in this world have appointed kings, presidents, prime ministers and leaders and pastors that were not according to God's will. Amen. Shocking. And also it says in the last verse of verse 4, last sentence of verse 4, of their silver and their gold, they have made images to themselves that they might be destroyed. car pass, a loud car. Images, that's an image that just went up the road. Amen. An idol, a false god, where they paid extra hundreds and hundreds, maybe even thousands of dollars to make the truck loud. Many people, not many people, I've seen a few people, I've seen a few people that even paid extra hundreds of dollars just to make for sure that the smoke that comes out of their truck is as black as it can be and as thick as it can be. So it looks so cool to go down the road with pillars of thick black smoke choking on everybody behind you. 
an image, what an image that is. And they paid for it. And it's an idol to them. It thinks it makes them hot stuff. It thinks it makes them cool. And mufflers are made to be louder on purpose. And uh, music boxes, speakers, stereos with the bass turned all the way up. That is an idol, a false god as well. And to many people, their jobs, their careers, their money, their finances is an idol of gold and silver to them. America, especially because it's the richest or was the richest nation on earth, many people made their money, their cars, and their careers their idol, their God. But God is going to remove these things. He's already removing these things. He's already took many people's cars and jobs away from them. And it's not always God's judgment. Sometimes it's what we do. Sometimes it's our fault. And sometimes it's the fault of the wicked. It's not always within God's will. This ain't paradise. Not everything happens according to God's will. Hello. Amen. This is not paradise. This is a crooked, corrupt world. It is an upside-down world. Mostly ruled by the devil. Not everything goes according to God's will. But ultimately, yes, absolutely, God is in control ultimately. But He allows the devil a lot of freedom to rule this world. God allows the devil a lot of freedom among civilizations and kingdoms and governments. But ultimately, God will have the final word. Amen. A lot of this is because of free will. A lot of this is because God allows, not that it is His will, but rather He allows the wickedness and the corrupt governments and the corrupt leaders and election fraud because things must go according to your free will in order to prove to yourself that you're not God. Amen. That you don't know better than God. You do not know better than God. And you could not and do not currently rule the earth better than God does. Amen. Jesus went and sat down. In heaven. He did his job. Now it's our job. If there's corruption in this world and things are not going, going according to the will of God, that's our own fault because we did not stand up previously. We didn't shout loud enough previously. We did not petition loud enough previously. We did not protest loud enough previously. We allowed, stop pointing the finger at God. We are the ones that allowed the government to get this corrupt. We are the ones that allowed the schools to get this corrupt. We are the ones that appointed for ourselves kings and rulers of the Democrat Party. And the people will pay for it. They have chosen for themselves the false gods and the lies and the false doctrines and the false churches and the false preachers and the false prophets and the false leaders and the kings of this earth. They chose for themselves to have human leaders. 
God was king. And the people said, we don't want you. We want to be like everybody else. We want to fit in. We want to be like the heathen nations with human leaders. So let's keep moving here. Verse 5. Cast off your calf, your golden calf, O Samaria. Samaria was the northern region of Israel. It was the most northern region of Israel. Prophetically, if we apply these verses today, Samaria could be a symbolism for the northern part of the United States, which would include Washington, D.C., even though some people would debate that's along somewhere along the, the Mason-Dixie line, and some people might even consider it south, but I consider it north. When I think of Washington, D.C., I don't think of Southerners. No way. Amen. I think of Northerners. I think of the Northern attitude, the way people act, the way people talk, the way people, the way society is there is more of the culture of the Northern United States and not so much the culture of the Southern United States. I consider them prophetically to be Samaria. So cast off your calf, O Samaria. My anger is kindled against them. How long will they be unable to cleanse themselves in Jezreel? Whereas the workmen made it, it is not Theos, wherefore if your calf Samaria was a deceiver. For they sowed blightened seed. That means molded seed. Seed that is spoiled. And their destruction shall await them. You sow what you reap. Or you reap what you sow. Amen. You reap what you sow. A sheaf of grain that avails not to make meal. That is cornmeal and flour meal. Even if it should produce it, strangers will devour it. Jezreel, or America, and all the tribes of Israel, is swallowed up. Now is he become among the nations as a worthless vessel. America was prosperous, and now America is a worthless vessel. For they have gone up to the Assyrians. Ephraim has been strengthened against himself. They loved gifts or bribes. Bribes. And that needs, Robert, needs to be changed to bribes in the context there. And so, in the context, especially when you also consider uh, verse 3, that they pursued the enemy to be friends, it's talking about false peace treaties. What was the false peace treaty with Israel? What's that called? Abraham Accords. And then more recently, uh, Biden cooperating with the Taliban. And I gotta say this, that Biden is not the one that initiated, began the, uh, cooperation with the Taliban, but it was Trump. Trump is the one that started that, cooperating in agreement, shaking hands, signing papers with the Taliban. Trump is the one that started that. And Biden just continued that same thing and doubled down on it, increased it instead of going against them. And uh, just like Trump is responsible for bringing the vaccines upon the whole world, and Trump also is the one that began the withdrawal from Afghanistan. 
which we should have never done at all. Not even one man should have been pulled out. Trump is one that started the withdrawal from Afghanistan, but Biden did not follow the plan about how to withdraw from Afghanistan. Biden threw away, literally threw away, the plans that Trump had developed to withdraw in a orderly, planned, slow manner. However, even if we had followed the plan of Trump to every degree, to every word, it still would have resulted in chaos in Afghanistan because the moment that you pull all your American troops out and UN troops out and stuff like that, Afghanistan is going to go back to the Taliban, even if it was a organized, slow withdrawal. But the way Biden did it, by throwing away the slow plan that Trump had developed and doing it very quick and a very chaotic manner made the situation a hundred times worse, even though you still would have ended up with chaos under Trump. It is double chaos under Biden more than it would have been under Trump. Amen. Even though both of them was planned to pull out of Afghanistan, the way it was done was worse under Biden. But we still have to point some of the share to Trump, that he's the one that said we would withdraw from Afghanistan. Biden agreed with that, and so did almost every American. I never agreed with that. Amen. I believe in war, not peace on this earth. Jesus himself said, I did not come to bring peace, but a sword. Jesus said that. Amen. We are not to have peace with the enemy. We are not to have peace with the Taliban. We are not to have peace with Iran. We are not to have peace with the heathen nations. We are not to have peace with the wicked and wicked nations and wicked leaders and wicked rulers. We are not supposed to sign peace, tr- peace, deities, peace treaties. We are not supposed to have those such things. I can't even say it because it's so ridiculous. Amen. What in the hell is a peace treaty? We don't need those things. What we need is war to destroy the wicked. Is Jesus going to come back and sit at the marriage supper and say, uh, Come here, Taliban, I want to sign a peace treaty with you. No. No. Is he going to say, Here, communists. Here, Democrats. Here, heathen nations, I want to sign a peace treaty with you so my people can live in peace. No, because God is wiser than that. He knows. And we need to learn that you cannot have peace with the wicked because they will stab you in the back every time. It might take them a few weeks. It might take them a few months. It might take them a few years or even decades. But I guarantee you, the wicked will stab you in the back every time once you fall asleep. Amen. The nations must learn that their way, human way, is not the righteous way. Amen. Where are we at in here?
I don't remember reading verse. Oh, I'm looking at the wrong chapter. Okay. Verse 10. Therefore shall they be delivered to the nations. That means God will bring the invasion. Amen. As Ezekiel 38 says, I will put hooks in their jaw or nose, whatever it says, and will pull them in. God will bring the Assyrians. God will bring the Russians and the Chinese. God will bring them because Assyria has chosen them. South Korea chose them. Leftist president in South Korea. The Korean people chose the leftist wicked rulers. Australia chose wicked rulers. America chose wicked rulers. Even if it was not through a true election, you still had tons of people out there working in the voting polls that were Democrats that should have never been allowed to work at the voting bowl poll locations. And they chose for themselves to say, I'm going to choose for myself my president. What I'm saying is like places like Detroit, Atlanta, New York, uh, Philadelphia, Pittsburgh, San Diego, all other big cities like that across America where you have a majority Democrat population in the large urban cities. Even if the people voted for Trump, and even if God wanted to continue to use Trump, the people working in those places on election day that are in charge of counting, that are in charge of letting people in the building and letting you vote, they are the ones that chose for themselves to appoint themselves Biden. Amen. Now, so, and so when they choose for themselves the wicked rulers, God says, okay, you want the wicked rulers, I will give you the wicked rulers. Amen. Verse 10, therefore shall they be delivered to the nations. That means invasion. Now I will receive them, and they shall cease a little to anoint a king and princes. That means no more elections. That's what that means. No more elections. We will never again have a presidential election in America. I'm very, 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 very confident of that. We might have uh, some elections for governors before the Great Tribulation come, and mayors and governors and stuff like that. But a presidential election that comes every four years? No. We would never again see a presidential election in America. It's not going to happen. We must face the fact that with the situation in Afghanistan right now and the hurricane that's coming up on the American Gulf Coast, Louisiana, uh, Mississippi, that area, this weekend, tomorrow, is supposed to hit, major hurricane, supposed to hit the American Gulf Coast tomorrow night. With these situations and everything else we see going on with Iran and Biden and the vaccines and the viruses and everything else we're seeing, we must realize and accept the fact, we must accept the reality that God really did confirm to us 
that the Great Tribulation starts next year. We need to stop saying, oh, it might not happen, or if it doesn't happen. We've got to stop saying that because it's going to happen. It's going to happen. It's absolute. It is absolute. Amen. And so verse 11, because Ephraim, that represents America. It represents, actually, it represents the British Empire has multiplied altars. That means false religions, false gods. His beloved altars, his false gods, have become sins to him. I will write down a multitude of commands for him, but his statues are accounted strange things, even the beloved altars. In other words, strange gods, foreign gods. Islam, Buddhism, Hinduism. Verse 13. For if they should offer a sacrifice and eat flesh, talking about sacrificial flesh, that's not talking about regular meat, so don't twist it. The context is sacrifices, old covenant sacrifices. That even if the people were to keep the law of God, which we're no longer under the sacrifices now, but the context, the spiritual reasoning is, what it's spiritually saying is, if you were to pray, even if you were to repent, even if you were to pray, even if you were to seek the Lord, even if you were to obey the Lord, Jesus will not accept these sacrifices. Now will be, now he will remember their sins and will take wrath or repay on their sins. They have returned to Egypt or also, as it said, will go the Assyrians and they shall eat unclean things among the Assyrians. That means they continue to go to Heathen nations to make peace deals. Again, over and over in this chapter, over and over in this chapter, is a theme of the Israeli nations making false peace deals with Islamic nations and communist nations. That is the theme of this chapter. And Jezreel has forgotten him, God, that made him, and they have built things. The word fanes, we're going to change the word to the word temples. Change that, scratch it out, mark the word, write down the word temples right above that. That's what it's talking about. They have built temples, and Judah has multiplied walled cities, and I will send fire on his cities and shall devour their foundations. So that means even if Trump was had been able to finish the wall, which he did not, it would not protect us because the real refuge and the real high tire, the real shield is Jesus Christ. Amen. And Trump did a lot of good things. Lots and lots and lots and lots and lots of good things. But he was still Babylon and did a lot of wicked things as well. Developing the vaccines, signing peace treaties, beginning cooperation with the Taliban and some other things that he did wrong. Even he signed treaties with the Saudi Arabians and shook hands with the Saudi Arabians, even though really the Saudi Arabians are changing uh, as far as the one prince. The one prince there is really a, a closeted Jew. He really is. He's converted to Judaism without telling his brothers and because they would behead him. But that's what we're seeing in Saudi Arabia. But nevertheless, you got the entire other, all the other leaders in Saudi Arabia, still Muslims, and 
Uh, and so it's still cooperating with the enemy. Um, so that's a whole nother topic. Let's move on. <clears throat> Let's talk about the hurricane. The sermon topic today, the sermon um, title, the title of today's sermon is Hurricane Ida. It's actually pronounced uh, something like Ida, something like that. I've not listened to the news yet, so I'm not, I'm not sure how they're pronouncing it. But supposedly it's some kind of an E sound rather than an I sound. It's what I had read at least, but I've not actually heard it actually pronounced yet. But I'm going to say Hurricane Ida, or you might hear me sometimes say Hurricane Ida. Okay, so either way, it's the hurricane that is very quickly approaching the American southern uh, Gulf Coast, off from Mexico, coming up tomorrow night to hit Mississippi, Louisiana, Alabama, those states. <clears throat> and... <clears throat> It's supposed to be strengthening up to a Category 4. I don't know if it's actually going to hit as a Category 4 or not, but I, the last I looked yesterday, I think that was the forecast, that they expect it to hit as a Category 4. Now, <clears throat> Hurricane Katrina hit 16 years ago. Tomorrow is the 16-year anniversary that Katrina hit Louisiana. Now, it had actually made landfall in Florida a couple of days before that, but it went back out in the ocean and then made a second landfall in Louisiana on the date of tomorrow. So it will be 16 years tomorrow that it hit, made the second landfall and hit Louisiana. And tomorrow is when this hurricane is supposed to hit Louisiana. So that's pretty interesting. Now, it hit Louisiana 16 years ago as a Category 3. And Katrina was one of the worst hurricanes to ever hit America. One of the worst to ever hit America. Not the worst, but one of the worst. And it was a Category 3. If, 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 if Hurricane Ida hits as a Category 4, on the anniversary of Katrina and hits as a Category 4, it could turn out to be even worse than Hurricane Katrina, which was one of the worst in American history. That's mind-boggling. It's mind-blowing. It's amazing. And this is something you got to really stop and pause and think about that, how serious that is. And as I said last week, we should not be praying for the storm to weaken or to go away or dissipate or to turn around. We should not pray for the safety of the people. Because, as we just read in the Bible, the people have forsaken the covenant of the Lord. They have forsaken God. They have established for themselves leaders, kings and leaders, and mayors and governors and presidents and kings and pastors and false prophets that God did not appoint. They appointed those leaders for themselves. 
And they've chosen for themselves all kinds of false gods. And there is a ton of witchcraft in New Orleans and Louisiana. Tons of witchcraft down there. There's probably abortion clinics. I don't know for a fact, but I say there probably are. There's definitely gay bars. There are a ton of gay bars in New Orleans. It's full of gay bars. It has probably one of the one of the largest amount of gay bars in all of America is in New Orleans as well as Key West, Florida, New York City, and Atlanta, uh, and Los Angeles, and San Francisco. So it's probably among the top ten cities for the number of gay bars. And lots of other stuff. Voodoo and all kinds of wickedness down there. Now, God has hit Louisiana, Mississippi, and uh, Louisiana repeatedly with hurricanes. Repeatedly, 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 including Katrina and other hurricanes. And the people always are very arrogant to say, oh, we'll just rebuild. We'll just rebuild. We'll just collect our insurance money. We'll just rebuild it bigger and stronger and fancier. Thank God for my insurance because now I can build it back with even more room and brighter lights and make it even fancier and even more wicked. Well, you can only do that so many times until God says no more. Amen. So I would say pray that the destruction this time is worse than Katrina. That it will be so bad that it would take much longer to rebuild and almost really even impossible to rebuild. It is possible for the landscape to change. We've seen that in different hurricanes, that the landscape has changed, that the beach is taken away. That islands are made, that the water moves more inland. So it is possible, especially with our prayers, that God would change the landscape, that the ocean would even take over miles upon miles upon miles, that the entire city of New Orleans will disappear underwater forever if we pray hard enough for that. Amen. Amen. Yeah. yeah, supposedly insurance is not supposed to pay out for an act of God. But a lot of them do in with the hotels and houses. So in such an area, I get you get special insurance for that. And so it's ridiculous what they do. Now, I looked at what is the origin and what is the meaning of the name of the hurricane? What does Ida or Ida mean? And I came to the conclusion that it, now you, you will see on the Internet it means work or labor. But I found that actually it means diligent. Uh, and it's a Greek mythological goddess who cared for the infant Zeus. On Mount Ida. Mount Ida. So it was a pagan mountain. It was a demonic witchcraft mountain of Greek mythology where Zeus, when he was a baby, 
was taken care of by the uh, goddess with the same name as the mountain. So it was her mountain. It was a, a mountain where a false god dwelt. And the false god was a woman god named Eda and took care of Zeus, which also was proclaimed in Greek mythology as being a god of the world. And we know that Zeus played a tremendous part in Christmas, Christmas being the birthday of Zeus, and um, a lot of demonic activity in that. So there's a demonic activity associated with this hurricane. But it's really the hand of God that's coming against that demonic activity, I feel. I don't believe that the hurricane itself is demonic activity, but rather I believe that it is God saying, if you want false gods, I'm going to give you false gods. Here's this hurricane that's named after a false god. And here's this hurricane that's named after the god that is, that is nurturing and preparing for the arrival of Zeus. In other words, Assad, the Antichrist. Zeus being a false god, an Antichrist figure. I believe that prophetically it's very possible and likely that the hurricane represents that a birthing process that we are in now, that we're in that final nine months. I believe it's a confirmation that we're in that final nine months where you see a nurturing of the Antichrist, a nurturing of a false god related to Christmas, which Assad does observe Christmas and promotes Christmas. Uh, so I believe it's symbolism for coming destruction, judgment upon America, judgment upon the world, and a birthing process and a nurturing, a preparing for the Antichrist. That, that Assad is being prepared to take his role his manifestation to come upon the earth at the end of the nine months. I believe it's symbolism for all these things. Now we know in the Bible that a storm is a symbolism for the Antichrist and the invasion. We know that Ezekiel 38 talks about these things. I know a lot of people are new. So let's look at a few of these verses real quick. Uh, Ezekiel 38, I'm not got written in the notes, but we need to look at Ezekiel 38. Okay, page 133 and 134. We'll find what verse here in a second. It's talking about Russia and China, Gog and Magog, coming into the nations of Israel. That would include Canada and America, India, Australia, South Africa, all the nations that make up the Commonwealth of Israel, Commonwealth of, of uh, Great Britain, which is the same thing, and come as a storm, verse 8 and 9, Ezekiel 38, verse 8, and then verse 9, verse 9 says, You shall go up as rain, and shall arrive as a cloud, to cover the land. That's talking about the Russian president and the Russia and China military. 
and that should be you should come to many nations with you come into Israel. That's what it's talking about. So even though this is not specific to the Antichrist, it's specific to World War Three, World War Three. It is specific to the Great Tribulation, the first day of Great Tribulation, and we know that. Uh, the presidents of Russia and China, Gog and Magog, that they follow the orders of Assad. We know that Assad is their ruler. Russia and China both did repeatedly years ago, I documented it years ago, that they repeatedly publicly said that they would defend Assad even with World War III, even with nuclear weapons, they would defend Assad. So that tells me that they uh, there's no greater red line for Russia and China than Assad. Why would that be their greatest red line? Why not the South China Sea? Of course, they've said they would defend it too and everything, but not really with the tough words that they came out with Assad. And... So many of the battlefronts, the Ukraine, the Black Sea, there's a lot of battlefronts. It's not going to be just one nation. It's going to be a world war. It won't be just Syria. It won't be just the Middle East. It's going to be a world war. So the South China Sea and Ukraine, Venezuela, and other, and Cuba, other battlefronts, North and South Korea, other battlefronts across the world. Amen. But... The biggest red line in the sand for the presidents of Russia and China is Assad. They already, behind the scenes, secretly, those presidents are already worshipping Assad. So I, I think the presidents of Russia and China knows exactly who and what Assad are, I believe. They know he's a fallen angel, and they may even be fallen angels themselves. I don't know. They may be fallen angels. No, I know Assad. Is, I mean, uh, let me correct myself. I know that the president of Russia, Putin, is not a fallen angel. He's human, because Ezekiel 39 talks about Gog being buried, that he would die at the end of the war. At the end of World War III, that he will die, he will be buried. So we know Putin is human. But it doesn't say anything about the leader of Magog. It doesn't say anything about the president of China. But they still could know who and what Assad is. Now, Ezekiel 38 is not the only place that talks about the invasion coming as a storm or as a cloud. Uh, look at uh, Isaiah, Isaiah chapter 8. Isaiah is the first book of prophets in the front of the book of prophets. Isaiah chapter 8, verse 5. Isaiah 8, verse 5. And Jesus spoke to me yet again, saying, 
because the people chooses not the water of Shiloh that goes softly, but wills to have this man called Razan and the son of Ramoias to be king over you. In other words, what that says to my surprise right here, right now, because I did not plan or even know, well, yeah, uh, about this particular verse in context of today's sermon, but it's confirmation to me and to you, God confirming his own word, is again the theme of people choosing their own rulers. Amen. The people did not choose the peaceful way. They did not choose the water of the river Shiloh that moves softly and gently and quietly. But rather, they would rather have these men, this particular man, this man that brings destruction. That is what this is saying. You could have had a peaceful man, Trump, even though he should not have been signing peace deals with the enemy, he did at least bring a at least a image of peace that people thought we was going to have peace. It was at least more peaceful during the reign of Trump for those four years, somewhat, even though there was some there's some times that he should have fought back. But in comparison ho 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 in comparison, Biden is a hurricane. Amen. In comparison, the, the actions of Biden are chaotic. Right? Like I said, either way, you, you would have had chaos in Afghanistan. But under Biden, it's ten times, even a hundred times, a thousand times worse. More chaotic. So like, Trump was like a hurricane Category one, as far as destruction and chaos in the world. But Biden, compared to Trump, is like a category four and category five hurricane compared to Trump. People could have chosen the more quiet way, the more peaceful way, but they chose for themselves the chaotic way. Amen. And a lot of Trump, I mean, a lot of the people that voted for Biden, which there was not a lot of them, but those that did vote for Biden are now regretting it. Most of them, most of them are regretting their vote for Biden. And I wonder how many people who cheated for Biden and did all the behind the scenes changing of votes. I wonder if they regret their vote or their cheating for Biden. Amen? I bet some of them do. I guarantee you that there's also a lot of them that don't regret it because they love chaos and they love darkness and they love wickedness and they want to see the destruction of America. So not all of them are repenting. But some of them do regret cheating for Biden and voting for Biden. We've seen videos of that. So this is a confirmation of something right here that I did not plan to point out, but God himself is confirming his own word that uh, they chosen for themselves their wicked rulers. Verse 7, Therefore, behold, the Lord brings up upon you the water of the river, strong and abundant. This is in the context of a flood. 
This is what this is talking about. And how does a flood occur unless you have a storm? Amen. You've got to have pouring down water, rain, for that water to be rising. So God is going to bring rising waters, floods, uh, strong and abundant, even the king of the Assyrians and his glory. So that means that Assad, the king of the Assyrians, and he is literally, literally the king of the Assyrians, the symbolism in the Bible for him is a flood and a cloud and a storm. And he shall come up over ever, ever valley of yours, or the banks of your rivers, and shall walk over ever wall of yours. Amen. And he shall take away from Judah every man who shall be able to lift up his head and everyone able to accomplish anything. And his camp, or his wings, talking about his army, shall fill the breath of your land. So, it's interesting about the storm that's brewing about to hit America tomorrow as far as land is already hitting America right now as far as the rain but the eye of the storm hitting landfall Louisiana area tomorrow as far as what I checked last night I've not had time today I had to finish throwing this sermon together today like a whirlwind Amen. We're talking today about winds of change. The hurricane, the, the hurricane force winds prophetically represent winds of change. Storms, clouds, flooding, chaos, destruction as a hand of God, as a warning of God, as a judgment of God, but also as a way to say that the time is short. And this is just the beginning of the judgment. This is just the beginning of destruction and invasion and a foreshadowing of invasion. Amen. And there's winds of change turning in the spiritual realm, not only in the physical realm, but in the spiritual realm, preparing for Assad, nurturing him as a baby right now, as an infant right now, nurturing him, preparing him, for his reign. And other things are in the spiritual realm with the angels working, the demons and the good angels both, God and the devil both, and Assad, all of them and the popes, the Vatican, what they're doing behind the scenes right now, what Russia and China is doing behind the scenes right now, what Iran is doing behind the scenes right now, what Biden is doing, what Clinton, Hillary Clinton is doing behind the scenes right now, in the spiritual realm and physical realm both. There are winds of change. The wind is turning and events are turning. And you're going to see a lot of change in this world in these next eight months. Amen. Let's go to Daniel 11. Verse 40. This is page 163. Daniel 11, verse 40. Now, if you look at Esword, it's going to be a different chapter number. It will be chapter 12 in Esword because Esword uses different chapter numbers for the book of Daniel.
But in um, your paperbacks, which is what you need to be looking at, Daniel 11, verse 40, or your PDF, is still chapter 11, verse 40, Daniel 11, verse 40 in the PDF. It says, at the end of time, he, Assad, will collide, that crash, with the king of Egypt. And the king of the north, NATO, Turkey or America, will come against Assad with chariots and with horsemen and with many ships. And he, Assad, will enter into the nation of Egypt, as well as into Israel and other nations in America. But we see here that um, these are chariots and horsemen or symbolism of weapons of warfare. Now, it doesn't say here in the AOB, but if you read this in uh, King James, a New American Standard, I think, also, it talks about coming as a storm or as a whirlwind or something like that. So it's, it's different. It's a different wording between the Greek Septuagint and the Aromatic. But the Aromatic version, the King James, has that he comes, that the, um, um, I believe it has it that the king of the north comes against him as a whirlwind or something like that. I'm not for sure how it words it, but it does speak about wind in the aromatic version. Even though that particular wording is not present in the Greek Septuagint, it's still true that when the invasion comes, if we compare Isaiah 8 is equal 38, right? Is equal 38. And Isaiah 8 and other verses He's still going to come as a storm. And not only Assad come as a storm, but even America and NATO fighting Assad as a storm. Many times throughout Scripture, the invasions, regardless of who it involves, and the judgment hand of God, and even the movement of God, even God's presence, is described as being within a whirlwind. Elijah was taken up in a whirlwind. And Ezekiel 31, uh, I mean Ezekiel chapter 1, and we're going to read that right now, talks about, go ahead and turn into Ezekiel 1. Ezekiel 1, go ahead and turn there, talks about Ezekiel seeing God at the throne of God in the wind, in the wind, in the violent wind. Ezekiel 1, page 102. 102, Ezekiel chapter 1, verse 1 and verse 4. Verse 1, it came to pass in the 13th year in the 4th month, 5th day of the month, that I was in the midst of the captivity by the river Shobar, and the heavens were opened, and I saw the visions of Theos. Verse 4, and I looked, and behold, a wind came from the north, and a great cloud on it, and there was a brightness around it, and gleaming fire. And in the midst of it, it was as the appearance of amber in the midst of the fire, and the brightness in it. And if you read the whole chapter, it talks about the crystals around the throne of God, and the rainbow around the throne of God, the crystals, the stones, all the uh, 
uh, the healing stones at the throne of God and the rainbow. But there's also the wind is present. Also, if you think back on the mountain at Mount Sinai, when God gave the Ten Commandments, there was lightning and thunder and wind and man and a cloud, even at the mountain of God, Mount Sinai. So remember that Hurricane Ida is connected with a mountain where there is a goddess. And hurricane with cloud and wind. So this hurricane has the representation, the symbolism, of a false throne of God. It has a symbolism of a false Mount Sinai. Interesting. Amen. And if Mount Sinai was the given of God's law, then Mount Eda and Hurricane Eda is associated with the Antichrist bringing Sharia law rather than God's law. This hurricane represents the invasion of Assad into America and into all the world because what happens to America happens to everybody worldwide. Amen. The invasion of Gog, Mega, Russia, China, Syria, and Iran into all the world bringing Sharia law, the mark of the beast. It's not the vaccine. The vaccine is only a tool, a weapon, a genetically modified weapon in order to reduce the population so that it would be more difficult for the population to fight back. So it would be more difficult for the American army to fight back. So it would be more difficult for all the armies to fight back. Amen. That is the purpose of the vaccine, is to reduce the size of the militaries of the world, reduce the size of the population of the world. That's the point of the vaccine and the point of the viruses being created by China as well. Amen. This hurricane is a whirlwind of change. I did not even realize how severe, how intensely this hurricane is a representation of change when I was making the notes as much as what I realize it right now with God speaking through me and teaching me at the same time He teaches you. This hurricane is a major, huge, prophetic picture, image, symbolism of the coming World War III, Assyrian invasion of the world, and the bringing of Sharia law and the true mark of the beast. I'm going to have to make a video of this today. And get this published right away. And I want you, Brother Gerald, to provoke me to good works. And make for sure, even if you have to punch me a few times in the arm, to get my lazy butt into action and make this video today. Amen. This is the work of God. I can do the work of God on the Sabbath day. Amen. Let's turn to Jeremiah chapter 4. Jeremiah 4. 
Jeremiah 4, and let's start in verse 5. Make sure you have your ink pen ready to make notes. Ooh, it's so hot out here. Praise the Lord. Whew. Praise God. I'm glad I'm not freezing to death. Praise the Lord. Praise God. Jeremiah 4. We're going to have to start making sure I bring a, a rag to wipe the sweat off. I'm going to put that in your notes too. we got to bring clothespins and wash rag. Uh, Jeremiah 4 verse 5. We're going to read down all the way down to verse... Oh yeah. Let's see. i got to get me an ink pen real fast. Right here. Well, I got a lot of ink pens here. I must be a nerd because I got enough ink pens. Praise the Lord. We've been to the nerds yet. Woo. Okay. Verse 5. Jeremiah 4. Jeremiah 4, starting verse 5. If Jezreel will return to me, say of Jesus... He shall return. And if he will remove his abominations out of his mouth and fear for, fear before me and swear, promise, Jesus lives with truth and judgment and righteousness, then shall nations bless by him, and by him they shall praise Theos in Jerusalem. For thus saith Jesus to the men of Judah and to the inhabitants of Jerusalem, Break up fresh ground for yourselves, and sow not among thorns. Circumcise yourselves to your Theos, and circumcise your hardness of heart, you men of Judah, inhabitants of Jerusalem, lest my wrath go forth as fire and burn, and there be none to quench it because of the evil of your practices. So what this says, what this means, basically, is that God wants people to repent. Basically, that's what that says. Amen? And to start fresh, repent, return to God, and uh, start over. That's what God wants people to do. And as far as circumcision, that was written thousands of years ago during the lifetime of Jeremiah. And the only thing that that relates to us is we should circumcise our heart, as it says. Alright? It has, we are not under any obligation to start cutting our body. Amen. In fact, to cut our body under our current time frame of the new covenant would be an antichrist thing to do. It would be against God's will. It would be a sin to cut the foreskin of a man. I believe I believe absolutely, 100% without any shadow of a doubt, that to remove the skin of a man's foreskin or a boy's foreskin is a sin under the current situation of the new covenant. Amen. Amen. But spiritually, we should be circumcising our heart. That removes, that means that we need to draw closer to God and, uh, become more purified in Christ Jesus. Amen. Verse 5. Declare you in Judah. Read verse 5. Jeremiah 4, verse 5. Declare you in Judah and let it be heard in Jerusalem. Say you, sound the trumpet in the land or blow the shofar. Cry you aloud and say you, gather yourselves together and let us enter into the fortified cities. Gather up your wares 
flee to Zion, hasten, quicken, stay not, for I will bring calamities from the north and great destruction. Now, for our day and time, we don't need to travel north for everybody. For some people, it might be north. This was primarily talking about Jeremiah's lifetime. Okay? Nevertheless, this chapter has a foreshadowing for us today that there must be eventually a fleeing, a hiding, a running away before the armies attack. Amen. For some people that might be in the north, some people that might be the south or the west or the east. Depends on where you're located. Amen. If you're already in the most northern nation on earth, like Russia or Norway or something, are you supposed to flee more north when you're already in the most northern nation on earth? No. It depends on your location. This was primarily written to people living in Israel thousands of years ago. So we're not going to apply this 100%. But we are going to see the spiritual symbolism that we must circumcise our heart and that there is still going to be a time when we must, must flee before the invasion. Amen. Now, it says that these calamities were going to come from the north. And that was speaking about Babylon and Assyria. And throughout Scripture, the Assyrians are spoken of as being from the north, from the north of Israel, not from the north of Russia or the north of Norway or the north of England, but rather the north of Israel that these people from the north, the Assyrians, are going to come into Israel and into Egypt, into Africa, so forth. So when we read from the north in the Bible, a lot of times it's talking about the Assyrians. Um, but it's interesting that God himself is also seen in Scripture as being in the north. Talking about in heaven. But many times in Scripture, God is spoken of as being in the north, as being a symbolism for heaven or the sky or the spiritual realm. So it's interesting that the Antichrist was a copy of God, a counterfeit of God. And the terminology, the words, the vocabulary is similar to where God is and the Assyrian is. Amen. They're both from the north in biblical vocabulary. Now, let's go to verse 7. The lion is gone up from his lyre. He has roused himself to the destruction of the nations and has gone forth out of his place to make the land desolate and the cities will be destroyed so as to be without inhabitant. This is very interesting because even though it was written primarily thousands of years ago, it has a symbolism of end time. The lion in Revelation 13 is a sod. So again, it has a symbolism for our day and time that a sod will come to destroy 
nations and reduce world population. Amen? Verse 8, for these things, grid yourselves with sackcloth and lamate and howl, for the anger of Jesus is not turned away from you. Lamate, that means to cry, to mourn, to be sorrowful. Verse 9, And it shall come to pass in that day, say of Jesus, that the heart of the king shall perish, and the heart of the princes, and the priests will be amazed, and the prophets will wonder. What that means is that the leaders of this world, the leaders of Babylon, in government and in religion, both the leaders of this world, are going to be shocked. A lot of people don't know what's going to happen. A lot of the religious leaders, they're going to be shocked. When Israel is invaded, when America is invaded, when Australia is invaded, they're going to be shocked. They don't know the Bible. They don't know God. They don't know true prophecy. They're going to be amazed. Even government leaders and even religious leaders will be amazed. Verse 10, And I said, O sovereign Lord, surely you have deceived this people in Jerusalem, saying that there should be peace. Whereas, behold, the sword has reached even to their soul. At that time, they shall say to this people and to Jerusalem, There is a spirit of error in the desert. The way of the daughter of my people is not to purity nor to holiness, but a spirit of full vintage or revenge shall come upon, come upon me, and now I declare my judgments against them. So, what this really means is that Again, the priests of the people, the religious leaders of this world, are going to be amazed. And they're going to say, God, you have deceived us. We thought you gave us a dream or a vision or a heart, a mentality, that we're going to have peace. We signed the Abraham Accords. We signed peace treaties with the Taliban. We signed peace treaties with Saudi Arabia, with Iran. We signed peace treaties with all these people. And now there's war. Now there's invasion. Now there's destruction. You deceived us, God. God did not deceive them. But rather, it was their own heart that deceived them. Amen. There are false prophets. There are false visions. There are false dreams that they thought they was going to have peace their hopes of their own heart, your own prayers. Oh, let the hurricane not hurt no one. Your own prayers of peace in the land. When actually, God is bringing a sword upon the land because that is what the people deserve right now. And righteousness and repentance will not come until the sword comes. Amen. you got to wake up to that reality. You got to start facing reality. Stop living in la la land. Stop living in a fairy tale. Stop living in a cartoon. And face the reality that repentance and revival and godliness and righteousness will not come until the sword comes. That's reality. It's the harsh reality, but it is still the reality. And that's your own fault, not God's. That's the fall of the people. Amen. And it says in verse 
13, Behold, he shall come up as a cloud, and his chariots as a tempest. That word tempest can also be translated as a whirlwind or a violent wind. And we're going to put a tempest slash whirlwind there. Brother Gerald, if you'll make that note, because I've not made that note. Or I have only halfway made that note. But I need you to send that to me. Tempest slash whirlwind. His horses are swifter or quicker than eagles. Woe unto us, for we are in misery. Cleanse your heart from wickedness, O Jezreel, or Jerusalem, that you may be saved. How long will your grievous thoughts be with you? Then verse 28. Jump down to verse 28. For these things let the earth mourn. And let the sky be dark above, for I have spoken, and I will not relent. I have purposed, and I will not turn back from it. Verse 28 says that God has already made up his mind, and he's not going to change his mind about the invasion that's going to happen. Hurricane Ida, or Ida, is an absolute word of God that will be fulfilled. Amen. God is not going to change his mind about this situation. Amen. Verse 29. The whole land has recoiled recoiled from the noise of the horse, horse man and the bent bow. They have gone into the caves and have hidden themselves in the, in the forest and have gone up upon the rocks. Every city was abandoned. No man dwelt in them. And what will you do? Though you clothe yourself with scarlet and adore yourself with golden ornaments, though you adore your eyes with cosmetics, your beauty will be in vain. Your lovers have rejected you and they seek your life. For I have heard your groaning as the voice of a woman in childbirth or travail or trouble, as of her that brings forth her first child. The voice of the daughter of Zion shall fail through weakness, and she shall lose the strength of her hands, saying, Woe is me, for my soul faints because of the slain. So again, foreshadowing of the final nine months, the time of birth pains, and the coming of the invasion, and that God is not going to change his mind on this. A lot of things in that chapter. Amen. And then finally, let's turn to Revelation 7. This will be the last verse, unless God give me something else. Revelation 7. Revelation 7, verse 1. Page 266. two sixty six. Revelation 7, verse 1. After this I saw four angels standing at the four quarters of the earth, 
restraining the four winds of the earth so that no wind would blow on the earth or on the sea or on the tree. The context is right before the opening, uh, or that is at the opening of the sixth seal. So in the context, what we're talking about today, the winds of change, how the hurricane is bringing change to the earth and is a symbolism of change for America and for the whole world. The wind in the Bible, sometimes that is where and how God works. Sometimes it is the judgment hand of God. Sometimes it's God's presence, his presence on the mountain, his presence at the throne of God in heaven, in the north. And also, also the angels using the wind, restraining the wind or releasing the wind so that when the wind does blow, it brings in, guess what, destruction. Here in chapter 7, verse 1, Revelation 7, verse 1, we see the angels holding back the wind. Why? Because once they release that wind, then all the judgments that are related to that sixth seal will usher in through the wind. The wind will bring with it the judgment of God. Amen. And I believe that's true not only at the sixth seal, but even at other times in history, like right now, with this hurricane, that the judgment is coming in the wind. Amen. It was also a wind that held back the Red Sea. Amen. Praise God. Thank you, Father, for giving me that. There was the cloud by day and the pillow of fire by night and the wind blew and brought up the Red Sea, separated the waters. That's the hand of God. A lot of time, the hand of God is in the wind. Amen. After all, He is fire, energy, and wind. Amen. And light. And we are also, the Bible says, when you are born again, you are no longer flesh, but you are Spirit, which means wind. Amen. And that you you go like the wind goes, the Bible says, once you're born again, you are as the wind bloweth that you don't know where it goes. The Bible talks about it, something like that. That means that once you are baptized, you begin to lose more and more more of your carnality you begin to lose more of your sinful thoughts. You begin to lose more of your sinful thinking, the way you think, the way you look at things, what you like, what you don't like, what you do with your life, your direction in life, a lot of things. You become less and less physical-minded and carnal-minded, and you become more and more spiritually-minded. And then every week, every day, every month, every year that goes by that you continue to grow in the measure of the Holy Ghost, you become more and more spirit and less and less flesh. But it starts at baptism. And you are born and you are baptized and born again of the Spirit. John chapter 3 says, uh, concerning baptism, it says that you are born of spirit and not of flesh at baptism. You are born again from on high. So, and you're born of water and you're born of spirit at baptism. So, 
got to realize, and it needs to be true. And if it's not true for you, then maybe you're not truly saved. Once you're truly saved, whether you're baptized or not, a truly saved person will, of course, get baptized. But what I'm saying is, if you was baptized and you have gone many months now after baptism and you've not grown in the Spirit, you've not grown in discernment, you've not grown in wisdom, you've not grown in understanding Scripture, you've not grown in righteousness, you've not grown in your relationship with God, you don't have any fruits of the Spirit, you don't have any more peace than what you did before baptism, you don't have any more faith than what you had before baptism, then you're not saved. Amen. Salvation changes you. And you grow in that degree of change as you get older in the Lord. We're all just babes in Christ when we're baptized. So it takes time. It's not all going to happen in one day. Some people are shocked it doesn't happen in one day. That shows immaturity. And not only the spiritual realm, but even the physical realm, the mental, the emotional realm, physically speaking, is immaturity. It's childish to think that you're going to just automatically, at baptism, become a new person totally, 100%, perfect. You're never going to sin again. That's unrealistic. That's childish. That's a cartoon. It takes time. There should be a change, but it's going to be a change that will increase and magnify and grow over time. But if you have gone months since you've been baptized or even a whole year or several years since you've been baptized and you don't have no more faith, no more trust in God, no more joy, no more peace or any fruit of the Spirit, then you need to get saved. I don't care if you was baptized ten times. You're not saved if you don't have more peace, more joy, more understanding, more wisdom, more understanding, and a better relationship with God. Amen? Praise God. Let us all seek more of the Lord. All of us. Amen? Let us all seek the face of the Lord. Let us seek the wind of God. Don't pray the wind away. Don't quench the Spirit of God. Don't quench the judgment hand of God. Let God spank His people. Let God spank the wicked. Let God spank the nations because righteousness will not come until the spanking comes. Amen. God is good. Thank you, Lord Heavenly Father, for bringing this hurricane. Thank you for giving me the spiritual understanding of this hurricane so that your people also may understand. Thank you for giving us eyes to see and ears to hear. Thank you, Lord, for your presence in this sermon. Thank you, Lord, that this is your word, your wake-up call, your trumpet to the people. Please help us, Lord, to share this message with our family and our friends, even if they don't believe it. Even if they laugh, even if they mock, even if they ridicule us, even if they reject your word, let us help us to be bold enough, courageous enough, and righteous enough to share the meaning about what this hurricane represents with our families, every one of us, our friends, and other people that we can talk to 
about what this hurricane represents. Let it be your word being brought to the people. And the rest of it is between them and you. We're only the messengers. If they reject it, that is on their own deathbed. That is on their own judgment. That's between them and you. But we are your messengers. We are your messengers. We are your witnesses. And we must proclaim your word. Please help us to do so with courage and boldness. And we trust you for protection. We trust you, Lord, that your hand of protection, a force field of protection from the viruses and from the enemy. We ask you, Lord Father, your will prevail in us. Please give us more of your Holy Ghost. Fill us up with your Holy Ghost. Change our hearts and our minds. Cleanse us and circumcise our mental hearts. Circumcise us in the heart. And help us, Lord, to live more righteous, more holy for you, Lord Heavenly Father. Forgive us of our sins. Save us and deliver us from ourselves and from the wicked. And may your will and your spirit prevail on us. In the name of Jesus we pray. So be it. Amen. Praise God. Amen. Praise God. If you're listening for the first time, I encourage you to visit the ministry website at I Saw the Light. Ministries.com. I saw the light ministries.com and, and look about over 200 pages there. And every page has a search box on the bottom of the page where you can type in any topic, any question, any keyword and search for that topic. And if you don't find it, feel free to use the contact page to contact me and ask questions after you pray yourself, after you search the Scriptures yourself, and seek the face of the Lord yourself. And then if you still don't know the answer to that topic or that doctrine or that question, I'm here to help you point you to the Scripture or to the will of God. Amen. Brother Gerald, anything? Okay, come over here. Let's get over here in the shade where it's a little bit cooler. Here, let me give you the microphone. Uh, go ahead and speak. The topic of this sermon being about the winds representing God's judgment. There was one incident from history that I remember. I was studying the history of Japan recently quite interesting and um they basically had no military for a time and there was a time when they were going to be invaded then a storm came and stopped the invading army there was no way there was go they were going to win that one except for that and then the second is um the prayer of Manasseh, which isn't isn't traditionally found in the Aramaic Bibles but is in the Greek it says in the history books that um, for Manasseh's sins, God brought the judgment on uh, on Israel. But um, the prayer of Manasseh shows him him being repentant, which is interesting. Well, the prayer of Manasseh shows him being repentant, but God still brought the judgment. Amen. Amen. So sometimes you can repent. And the judgment will still come because you can only repent so many times before God is like, oh, 
You ain't getting away with it this time, boy. Amen? And we also have the example of Judas after he had betrayed Jesus. It said he sought repentance with tears but could not find it. So I'm, I'm, I'm saying that I'm thinking that Judas was saying those words. I repent, I repent, repent. And he was crying. He was sorrowful for what he did. But I think it says he did not find it, which means like he, I think it means he couldn't really forgive himself and couldn't really accept that God had forgiven him because he was so torn up with grief. You know, and I think that's a major problem with a lot of people. But we have got to accept that if we make a mistake and we confess our sins, God is faithful to forgive us of our sins. God is faithful to forgive us of our sins. Amen. I forgot to move that phone. It's been all the way over there. This talk shoe ain't going to come out very clear today. But we can re-upload it to talk talk, talk shoe so it'll be more clear. But whoever's calling me from Illinois, hang up. <laughs> so praise the Lord. Amen. Praise God. Anybody got anything else to say? You can type it in the chat room or speak up or forever hold your peace. Amen. Anything? Honey, darling, sweet cakes. Got anything? Want to sing a song? Want to blow a trumpet? You want to dance on top of the water? What do you want to do, huh? Praise the Lord. We'll give a minute in case anybody is typing. Anything? Anything anybody wants to say or share? Give people an opportunity. And you can also, I invite you, if anybody ever wants to sing or share something, we can arrange it in advance to where we can have you talking on uh, Telegram or WhatsApp or another way of talking or even over the telephone. Talk Shoe has the ability to let people talk. And we'll plan it to where... I don't like to be able to plan that, but rather, I would rather for it to be spontaneous, but under the situation where time is limited and we need to make a way to where you can speak, we have to say, okay, well, meet me on Telegram or meet me on WhatsApp or whatever. we got to make a way. So the logistics of it and the reality of it is we do, when you're dealing with the Internet, when you're dealing with people in different nations, the reality is... You have to speak up ahead of time. That's the reality. Speak up ahead of time so we can say, okay, we will have you connect it to where you can sing or you can talk on a certain app so that we can hear you. Now, locally, it does not need to be planned and it can be more spontaneous, allowing the Spirit of God to move to where you can sing, you can prophesy, you can share something, something you read in Scripture like Brother Gerald does. And other things like that. And that's the way it should be. Amen. Uh, ideally, it should be a spontaneous movement of God. Amen. And that's true worship. But it is okay to plan ahead of time and say a certain person is going to sing today. That's fine. Or a certain person is going to say, uh, share something. 
with us, that is fine. That is completely acceptable. Amen. Okay. I guess that's it. And But I would like to start seeing some of you uh, sing and share and play instruments and contribute into the uh, worship service. If anybody is uh, led to do that, uh, give me a shout sometime or another and let me know. Okay? All right. Ten for and out. I'll talk to you all later. God bless. In Jesus' name. Amen. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting? Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.